Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with us this week, Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. Finally, also joining us, Kid Presentable. Quarantine full squad. How's everyone doing? Good. Great. Just you're at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Staying safe, guys. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Indeed. I didn't say I was staying safe. I'm juggling knives over here. I'm doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. I hope I hope you guys watched your uh, Martin Luther King episode of the Boondocks. Required oh, every, I forgot. Uh, I got HBO Max. Okay, yeah. We also got that HBO Max subscription. Might as well use it. So, anyway. I've been watching other stuff on there, but we'll talk about that and stuff we like. Right on. Um all right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about the UFC's debut on ABC this past weekend. Max Holloway put on a show. Um, these ABC, the, the first show on ABC, we learned very different than the first show on Fox. Um, very much got the full breadth of MMA in there. Um, we're going to talk about some news this week. We got some title fights booked. We got a, we got a light heavyweight goat weighing 250 pounds, looking like he's real serious for that heavyweight debut. Um, and we're going to preview um, Conor McGregor's return to the Octagon this Saturday from Fight Island um, in Abu Dhabi. Talk about that main card. And uh, we'll talk real briefly about this UFC card on Wednesday, I think. 20th is Wednesday, right, guys? Correct. Yeah. You're correct. Um, real thin. Real thin card, but a really good main event, quite frankly. Um, kind of like the type of main event we'd get on a midweek fight night. Uh, before, but you know, normally there'd be like three or four other fights we actually also liked. Um, let's get into it though. Uh, Max Holloway, the former featherweight champion, um, beat Calvin Cater's ass worse than anybody's ever beaten anybody's ass over a five round fight, probably ever. Oh, it's near the top, you know, in term in terms of striking output, he broke every single record for significant strikes. And total strikes, he was having a conversation with the announcers in the fifth round, saying he's the best boxer in the UFC while he was dodging punches and landing jabs. Um, Max Holloway went out there and made a statement on Calvin Cater. Um, we all picked Max. I'm not sure. I think we were all fairly confident, but I don't think any of us thought we were going to see a 50-42 scorecard. And a, a 50-42 and two 50-43s. Uh, Marcus, that was an absolute striking clinic by Max Holloway. Yeah, it was a fantastic performance. Obviously, his his best performance to date. Uh, a really fun fight to watch, and that's not even to discredit um, things on Calvin's side. Uh, obviously, you have to talk about his durability. For as much punishment as he took, as much damage as Max put on him for the variety of strikes he ate, dude didn't fall once. He did not get dropped once this entire fight. It could have easily and should have been called in the fourth because he was just getting fucked up bad on the fence. And, you know, to his credit, he swung back. And they were mostly desperation shots, but they still had a lot of power. He still carried power even into the fifth ground. But 
at that point, especially Bobby, when you talk about in the fifth round when Max started talking to the commentary booth, um, which was probably one of the more spectacular moments of the fight because, I mean, it's one thing to kind of break focus and, and to talk to the booth, which we've seen some guys do in the the this pandemic landscape where they kind of have that opportunity to have a, a back and forth because they can hear each other. But to have Max basically turn to his side, give his side to Calvin Cater and talk to basically just screaming that he's the best boxer ever as pretty much all he was saying during those exchanges. But not only just to, to, to lose focus on your opponent, but to have that opponent rush you and throw punches and to still have you successfully bob and weave out of them. And like you said, score a punch without looking was, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Mike and Steph know ultra instinct from dragon ball. It's like, that's at a point where he knows what's going to happen in his mind's eye. He doesn't need to see it to be able to dodge those strikes and land his own. Uh, what I thought was most impressive in this fight was just how he attacked the whole body, how he went to the body consistently. And, you know, as I'm getting my critiques watching the fight in the third, like, man, he's going to the body, but like, fuck, hit that liver, throw some left hooks to the body. In the fourth round, he started doing it. Like, I was like, okay, dude, I, I can't, I can't give him any more tips. He's doing he, all the shit I want him to do. With everything. He landed, was it over 400 and something, some odd significant strikes? Like, some, that yeah, is absurd. Like that that and, is so and, many strikes. And again, to, to Calvin's credit, like, he landed some of his own. He landed his best shots in that fight. He landed his right straight has been his kill shot. Like, when he sets that up and he lands it clean, he's put guys away with one shot. And another punch that is one of his best punches is his right upper uppercut. And he nailed, he nailed that. He nailed Max with that as well. But, you know, the booth was giving a lot of credit to Max not doing hard sparring anymore to give him credit for taking these punches. I don't know what it is because he took a lot of clean shots. It was not phased. Man, Hawaiians don't get knocked out in MMA. Come on. We That's know that. True. <laughs> I mean, now, we're going to critique, you know, what Calvin did wrong in this fight. It's and I actually I saw a video online that I would definitely advise people to watch. There's this YouTube channel called The Weasel or Weasel, mm. and he broke down this fight and he broke down how Max loses fights because he is a rhythm boxer. And there's three different ways. And he he looked at Alexander Vol Volsonovsky, how he would use feints to interrupt Max. Uh, Dustin Poirier gets off first. That's how you interrupt a, a, a rhythm fighter like that. Um, and then a counter puncher like Conor McGregor. And these are all things Calvin just could not do in this fight. He, he, anytime Max was putting it on him, he would just cover up. And I think that had to do a lot of credit for Max just picking a lot of targets. He just, Calvin didn't know where to cover up, how to defend himself correctly to the point where if, counter punching was not in this guy's repertoire in that fight at all. He was so on defensive mode trying to just circumvent the damage he got. And, you know, when he even had these moments where he was doing good and he landed these good shots, he needed to follow up. That's what Dustin did so well in their fight. When he would crack Max, he wouldn't let Max off the hook. He'd follow up and put more pressure on him. And I think Calvin, he took those moments where he scored a big shot just to get a breather. Like, okay, this is this is some moments where Max isn't just giving me, if not throwing punches and strikes, giving me feints, giving me things to think about. So it was it was a masterful performance by Max. It was a fight that after I watched, I was like, oh, I got to watch this again. This was just so much fun. There's so much to break down. There's so many things you can look back on. Each exchange was different. Um, how Max would enter the pocket, how he would always stay in position to strike. There's so many things you can look at in this fight where Max just really excelled and looked phenomenal. So it was a, for, it was for a, a great... guy with a lot of great performances. It, that was incredible, honestly. Um yeah. Before we talk about what's next for Max, Matt, uh, Mike, what point in the fight were you like, this is unnecessary. We need to stop this. Because fourth well, round fourth round was it for me. I was just like, especially I just watched that video about Spencer Fisher having CTE 
and that whole article and all that. And I'm just like, and I know one fight isn't necessarily going to be the all be all end all. And this is a, you know, it's cage fighting. It's combat sports. It's not going to, you know, they're all taking a risk. But man, like that's one of those fights where, you know, the guy's not going to be the same after that well, was rough. <laughs> I agree with you. And this is something that I was actually talking with the guys with right before we got on that this fight was that weird in between where Calvin Cater was doing just enough where you could justify like, well, it's, it's not like he doesn't have any, any stamina. He still has his power and he had a, well, compared to the rest of the rounds, he had a really good third round. So you always thought, well, there's always the chance that maybe he can land one. And a lot of the shots that Max Holloway w w was hitting to me, it was very reminiscent of a Nate Diaz fight, but just on another level where each hit that he got on Cater, it was at like 60% power. It, it wasn't like any of those shots was going to be a kill shot. It was just an accumulation of a lot of, you know, moderate, moderate shots. So within the fight, I could see how it's not, this guy is in true danger of damaging his health long term. But then, of course, afterwards, when you hear 400 significant shots. It was actually like, 445 significant strikes. The previous record was 290. Damn. Like, it's, it's a lot. That, yeah. that, that's a lot. But I can understand during the fight, Cater the fighter being like, no, I want this to continue. And I could see his corner possibly thinking he still has a shot this this wasn't in my opinion one of those fights where it was just clear cut that they needed to throw in the towel i think i think they kind of should have stopped it but this is mma nobody stops anything Steph, i would have been fine with it don't get me wrong on that but i can understand them not doing it steph people are calling for max getting the next crack at alex volkanovsky Alternatively, I guess, Brian Ortega, whoever wins that fight, though the Brian Ortega matchup would be just sounds mean to Brian Ortega. Um, what do you want? Do you want him to get another title shot at 145? Do you have anything else you want to see him do? What do you, what, what do you, what do you mean, think from here? It seems like Ortega is next, right? I don't think it's just as they booked I, I thought it. it was that's official. Yeah, they yeah. booked it. Yeah. So that's happening. Um, it's, you know, it's weird in the sense because Max pretty thoroughly beat Ortega. Yeah. Um, kind of disappointingly so, I remember. Like, I really thought uh, Ortega would have shown better. Um, for Max, I'd honestly just rather see him commit to lightweight. Um, we could run it. Volkanovski back a third time. I think he's done everything he has to do in this weight class. So, I mean, he's arguably the GOAT, right? It's him and, I mean, it's him and Aldo, obviously, but that's not... If he wants to get it back, because that second one was really close, you know, Um in most trilogies, if it's already 2-0, you don't really have any argument. That This is one of the rare cases where there is an argument for them to potentially run it back, uh, even though Alex is 2-up. But, like, Alex doesn't really want that fight either, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I'd rather just see Max kind of commit to a new, new adventures, new belt chase. Uh, if Max is going to have a rematch with somebody, and it's not just me saying it because we're going to talk about him anyway later, I want to see this version of Max versus Connor. Like, we kind of didn't get the match. I mean, even what? I think mean, that was what? Six years ago? Seven years ago, the first time they fought. They were both so much younger. 
Connor tore his knee in the fight. I think Max hurt himself too. This version of them, I think, would be really good. Personally, I would like to see that. That's just, you know. At 55 my, or at, fi- at 55. I want, I think Max at 55 is more interesting to me too, to be honest. Um, yeah, Max, I don't Ma- Max, versus, Max versus Justin. Max versus Hooker. Max versus a lot of, Max versus Tony. I don't know. Any of them. <laughs> I still think there's some interesting fights at 45 for Max, but they're all down steps. You know, he's easily, obviously after this win, the number one contender without a doubt. So, like, me wanting to see him fight Zombie, I think is fun, but it doesn't make sense, right? Zombie yeah. just lost, but the, the, the cards don't align for that. And, you know, I think there's potentially some other guys at 45 that maybe would be fun. But like Stefan alluded to, he's kind of, he's been his division his whole career. Mm. He's, and he's been fighting a lot. So he's, he's had a lot of these matchups. There's a lot of, there's a lot more interesting stuff at 55. I do just wonder that the Poirier fight, didn't really i mean it was a great fight and he was competitive in it but it did make me kind of think like i don't know 55 you might just be a little too small maybe but, but he you know, also he got just, hit immediately in that one right that was a weird he got like cracked in the first like 30 seconds and then it seemed like he never really got his he got yeah, fully so back I mean, maybe so I don't some know. Other, you know starting a little lower on the on the totem pole maybe and building himself up just a little bit before he gets a, a shot at the 55 title could, could, i think that's interesting but yeah i just don't really know but um he looked fantastic in this and i think he's gonna want that that title shot back. And I think I don't, I'm not super interested in, in a third Volkanovsky fight because I, I honestly, we talked about like, I didn't like those fights that much. I didn't think they were the most entertaining fights yeah, in the world. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and just having like, yeah, just having these guys fight again and again after sh- such short repetition. But I mean, I think if you're Holloway, you can easily make that statement as like, yeah, I beat him that second time and I want that fucking belt back. And I just beat the shit out of your number four contender, best boxer. I had the best performance of my life. I deserve that shot. I think it's a hard argument to fight against. I just don't, Man, as a fan, it's like, I'm, I'm with you guys. Like 55 is cool because there's so many new matchups and he's such a fun fighter. Like I'd love to see him lock horns with the Gaethje's of the world and, and, and that lot. But well, we'll see. You know, if they book that fight, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying we can get a third Amanda versus Valentina fight. Apparently at that point, those fights weren't good either. That's true. <laughs> that one, that one makes more sense than this one. I'm like, <laughs> they're both cleaning it out. Um, Mike, um, Matt Brown and Carlos Condit. I honestly think this fight had was pretty much the best thing we could hope for at these guys and the, from these guys at this stage in their career. Definitely, um, it's it can always be a little depressing um, when two of the older gentlemen in a in a division uh, gets a fight, but. We were all pleasantly surprised. This was a very entertaining fight. Had good stand-up. Even the, the the ground was was very entertaining as well from from both sides. Um, 30-27, I thought it could have been twenty. That first round was bullshit. That first round scorecard is bullshit. Matt Brown won the yeah, first round. Yeah. Come on, I mean, most people. I, I mean, I think pretty much everybody saw that too. Like Matt Brown, kind of. When it was over, I'm like, I'm like, was I not paying close enough attention in the first round? But Matt, I thought Matt Brown won that shit. Like. <laughs> Yeah. But he lost. He but, lost second and third. <laughs> yes. Um, so I thought it was a very entertaining fight. It'll be interesting to see if Carlos Condit will stay with the UFC because this was his uh, walkaway fight, if I'm correct. Yeah. Or, I mean, who the fuck knows what he wants to do? He's been with the UFC so long. It, he's one of those fighters that it'd be weird, really, to see him. like Whoever pays him the most. Whoever gives him the most money is where he should go. He's not going to get a title shot in the UFC. There's no, you know. And I go, man, he was Kiko main evented and won on their big debut on ABC. I don't know what the ratings did. So we'll see. Um, Steph, Ponzinibbio, man. 
you got to feel for the man a little bit. He was on that run. He comes back. It goes real bad. Like, uh, as I know you, uh, you, gotta be, uh, you, gotta, you gotta be happy for Li Jing Lang, of course, too, but Pons and Ivio, man, like, he was knocking on the door. <laughs> no, I, it's just that I don't feel bad for him. Like, I don't, I don't, what do I care about Pons and Ivio? Like, he, well, fair enough. Guy. <laughs> you, Lee is a guy I didn't think was a UFC talent. He's no. a guy who I didn't think belonged here whatsoever, besides being Chinese. I remember that tough China and thinking, all these people suck. This Chinese MMA is so raw. It is so green. And every time we pick him, he's the underdog. And we don't think much about him. Even when he strings together wins, we're like, well, he's not fighting anybody. Like, we don't believe in this guy. So him knocking out a prospect, it's like, holy shit, he's learning. He's getting better. Like, that's the story of the fight to me, not Ponzinibbio. Because honestly, him being gone for two years, I kind of forgot about the guy. Like, his momentum is lost. It's been gone. It's definitely gone. Um, It's, It's definitely gone now. Shit. That's... So I like being wrong about a guy in the other way, a guy who I thought had no business being here. And he's like, oh, he's actually turning into a real fighter. So that that's the story of it to me. Got hit with a one hitter quitter. Didn't know what he was, where he was. That was, was a rough one. People saw some fucking exciting things on this card, guys. It's not a bad debut at all. Man, Alessio D. Uh, Chirico, Mark, was they put him in there to lose. They put him in there to lose to Buckley. Alessio coming in off three straight losses against their guy who's getting knockouts in quick fashion in the first round. Luke Thomas pointed it out that Joaquin Buckley t- gets hit a lot statistically. And Marcus, that right hit, that uh, was a right high kick. Woo! Mm-hmm. Killed him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Buckley has really, you know, the last year we talked about when we did our year-end review, uh, reviews and awards and stuff and how he really kind of exploded onto the scene. Uh, but we also didn't mention, you know, when we were picking the fights and we all picked Buckley, obviously, because the the semantics of it all was like, well, this guy's lost three fights. This guy's had the best year in his entire career. Um, you know, that momentum is just too much. To I mean, it was a setup. They didn't set this guy. They didn't send this guy here yeah. to win that fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that makes Buckley so exciting uh, and also causes him some problems that he's been able to circumvent in his last fights is that he's kind of short for uh, 185, you know, at 510 at 185 pounds. We saw it in his last fight too. He's fighting much taller um, opposition and for what he likes to do, which is to get in the fucking pocket and swing, which makes him a fucking Melvin Manhoof fan. If I've ever seen one uh, is getting in the pocket can be tricky and how he's been able to do it successfully is nice step-ins and using bobbing and weaving to dodge straights coming in because that's, you know, when you're the taller fighter and someone's going to come in and step into the pocket, you know, your right straight's going to be right there to, to land on them. You know, as long as you have the, your foot in the right position, that's a knockout, that's a kill blow. And how Buckley, you know, kind of gets around that is that he'll bob and weave, he'll duck to the side as he's entering the pocket. And I think Alessio just had it scouted, you know. He, he let him get in a few times and, you know, all you needed was someone to weave the wrong way and you throw that head kick and, it, and it's done. And that's what happened, you know? So for Alessio, what a fantastic win, you know, spotlights all on the other guy. No one's expecting you to win. You've lost three in a row. You're getting sent to the slaughterhouse and to have a knockout. So emphatic because I mean, look, we talk about what made Buckley's knockout of the year. So great was, you know, not only just a spectacular move and this high kick wasn't nearly as spectacular as a spinning uh, back kick, but the way Buckley fell, it was the old crow cop. The knee kind of buckles. He falls backwards. Uh, it was a pretty gnarly uh, KO uh, coming to Buckley. But Alessio, he got it done. And, you know, 
what is good about these scenarios is that that all that shine that was on Buckley kind of moves to Alessio now, right? That now you have the guy who was killing everyone. Who, 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 I, who, I would who have liked it. if he didn't have his post-fight interview and just be like, I don't like that we only interviewed the winner. And then that was it. And then he was not talking. Oh. And I'm like, I, Bobby, the only, I don't listen to post-fight interviews anymore, except for Max's. I was like, okay, Max, that was a fantastic performance. I'm going to listen to what he said. He really didn't have anything to say besides he wants to potentially fight next week. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Um, Puna I, I did like I did like one thing about um, Alessio mm. in that in the octagon he said I don't want to do interview unless you interview both. Yeah. Then he went to the post fight, said the same thing, walked out. Yeah. And then when you see the clip of when Dana White is being asked a question about Alessio, he talks about how he had an interaction with Alessio's team backstage, where he's like. I don't know. They're they're just like ice grilling me. Like, what the fuck do you want? It's like, <laughs> I, I asked the guy next to me, like, do they realize they won? <laughs> I mean, maybe he he, a, like you know, being fed he, to the slaughter. He, he, you know, he, he got, probably he got, felt he, like you would set up to lose in this fight. He, I, I I don't I don't know the stance of like talking to both fighters. We I mean, he got he got fifty thousand dollars too for a performance hey, bonus. Hey, him, on him, him, but, and, like, him and him and Lee Jing Lang both did, and Calvin Cater got fifty grand for taking that ass kicking. So. I would just say, like, we learned a nice stark lesson when we talked to Overeem after the, the knockout of of Stefan, uh, wait, no, Stipe. Yeah. And, and the whole tap, I was like, okay, you know what? When some guy just got concussed, we don't need to talk to we him. We don't need to talk to them at Maybe all, Maybe yeah. if they're going to the lay down the gloves and retire, we'll you let them give their final piece. You don't want otherwise. Joe to stick a mic in front of sobbing, despondent Daniel Cormier's face? You don't want to do that? You don't want to talk no, to the no, loser? No. We learn from those mistakes. Alessio is a big fan of that. He loves the drama of having somebody like cuss me like, no, he tapped, dude. Let's watch the replay a fifth time. I know he tapped, bro. And it's like, yeah, I think we have another, we have another, that was so uncontrollable, that one. Where that was, was really like, good. do we have another, like, do we have another uh, angle? I'm like, yo, there's no more angles. <laughs> we saw the angles you just lost, dude. It's okay. Let's move on. Um, Big win for Puna. Walk around. The fight between Puna Hanley Soriano versus Dusko Todorovic, as I told the guys when I was watching this live, Felt like they just put two names out of a hat and said, you're going to lead off the ABC show. Thankfully, yeah, we got a nice win. knockout. Yeah, big win, knockout. The guy lost his mouthpiece, and then they couldn't find it, and it was kind of big stuck. Ups, big ups to his corner, trying to scheme and game the system. <laughs> Shit got stuck. They're supposed, to, they're supposed to just have a second mouthpiece on deck. Them motherfuckers took forever to get yeah. that second mouthpiece in because their dude was on cloud. Yeah, that's true. The, the guy put the mouthpiece in and we're done. We're like, well, we're done. Like 15 seconds later, 10 seconds later, like it was done. He was done fighting there. Um, it was um, a good show, though. Um, let's talk about the bullshit. Um, did anybody watch this live besides me? Okay. Nope, I didn't. No. So they apparently, Dana White had this meeting with Habib while he was there. And then like Dana White was like going to reveal the results of the meeting uh, on the broadcast. And they started like ESPN MMAs, like making like decision jokes. Like if you're not a basketball fan, the decision was a televised event where LeBron James announced he was going to rip out the heart of all the fans in Cleveland and go to Miami. Um, and it was widely panned despite him raising a bunch of money for some kids. Didn't matter. People thought it was self-serving bullshit. Um, this one, like the second they're like, they're like, oh, we're going to announce this. And I'm just like, they have nothing. Khabib didn't commit to anything. And then, like, Dana White goes out there. He's like, Khabib is still out. He said, if somebody shows me something next week, maybe I'll come back. And I'm like, Khabib didn't say the second part at all. 
There's no way Khabib said the second part. I don't buy it at all. And like immediately Ariel Hawani puts up a gif of Nick Diaz saying they're selling y'all wolf tickets. It's like, yeah, that's that is what happened now, here. Are we sure Khabib didn't say that? I mean, come on, maybe he did. Why isn't yeah. he? Is he is, like, why aren't they stripping him of the title? Like, I, have no they, idea. I mean, Steph, when they when Cejudo retired, they stripped him of the title before he had walked off the stage. They stripped. They tried to strip GSP of the title when he retired the first time before he even made it to the press frost press conference. Like, what are what are we doing here? Begging? <laughs> Khabib is worth a lot more than Henry Cejudo. Do I have to explain to you more that? Than- okay. <laughs> like, I mean, fair. Khabib has so much notoriety for the Russian market, for that whole sect of Europe, for being the guy who destroyed the Golden Goose. Everyone who loves Connor, they know Khabib's destroyed him. Khabib is one of the most valuable fighters in the organization. None of this surprises me whatsoever. Like, I don't know why you guys would be surprised. Like, yeah, and it's the GSP fight I want, not Connor, because that's the best fight in MMA. That is the fight for that is Thanos versus the Avengers. That is the fight for all of it. So, yeah, none of this surprises me. He holds the keys. He holds not, the keys for all the prosperity. I think he's getting stripped of the title after. Saturday. And then they're going to say the winner of that fight, if it's Connor, if it's Connor, gets a title shot, I guess it's going to fight for the belt against pick somebody. Why are we fucking around? Just make next week for the title. That's what everyone's saying. Like, like, why, why, why do we care? Let's just make it for the. If they want to. Don't you want to put some fucking gold on him? He's going to beat Dustin. Well, we'll I, I, don't think, I don't think they want to. Connor disappears again for a year. That's um, true. Though, like, okay, Con- at some point, you have to, like. Connor give was. A belt. Uh, I was watching the uh, interview with Connor. Uh, Ariel did. It was like 40 minutes. It was pretty entertaining, honestly. Connor's an, an intriguing guy and an, an engaging guy. And he was talking about like the different, like, he's like, yeah, we were trying to get a fight in like May. Then we tried to get a fight in July. And that's when he was like, he said, fuck this, I'm going to retire. And then he's just like, honestly, I'm never retiring. I'm just going to be doing something forever. And then he said, like, they asked him about Khabib. He's like, look, I don't get it. He's like, I. And he like he took a shot at Khabib, and then he said, "Well, there's also family circumstances, yada yada yada." Him retiring basically, he didn't understand it. And then he What's said, the like, man? "Dude, dude, smashed the world and ended up and retired on top. That's how you're supposed to do it." Connor wants to fight. We know Connor. Connor wants to both bait him into a fight and also not attack yeah. Amanda's dad. Died. I get it. Though, it's, like, it's like what Stefan said. Like that, it's not surprising that they couldn't book Habib and that like Dana didn't have like a, an announcement of like oh yeah he's gonna he's gonna pay he's gonna main he's gonna be the main event on UFC 262 like no one expected that I think what was what was done was like oh you know Habib's looking at this next fight so yeah like, I don't know because he he's beat not- both those guys he didn't just beat them he demolished them uh-huh. so why the fuck does he have any interest in doing it again what to like try to beat your time or something that's not Habib's game Money. like that's what I mean, they're well, saying. They, I like, mean, he doesn't like, need Khabib it. Doesn't He's not interested in money. He's well, I mean, no, I think, Con- I think Khabib has money. enough money. Also, exactly. Uh, I so I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Steph, but like, I also yeah, understand. Th- like, there was a part in that interview where he's just like, "Look, he's like, I think Khabib's gonna." He's like, "Ask Connor." And Connor's like, "Maybe." Connor's like, "His." He's like, um, "Khabib's pay per view, the last one, that whole event was circled around, was was centered around him, and it bombed on pay per view." And I'm in my head, I'm just like, "Did it really?" And I'm just like, I don't know. And then I'm just like, oh, I get he's saying it, sure. Just, I don't know. In my head, it's just like, just take the golden goose you just got, you stupid idiot. This guy that would beat you every day of the week just retired. Let him be retired and let you have your reign. He, because he, yeah, honestly, but I like, think Connor's outside of Habib, 
He's going to run through 155 because I think it's but most you know what? He's going to kill. You know him. what, Mark? That's what shows Connor he's is still about that life. Dude, he's because still a competitor. Connor knows any Joe Schmo he goes up against, he's getting at least 800,000, 900,000 pay per view buys, right? Dude, he's going to get he one. What do you mean? He's Dude, he's going to sell 1.6 this weekend. Are you kidding me? Like, he's, we're way past 800,000, 900,000 with like, Connor. Like, he doesn't need Habib to earn a lot of money, but he still wants to fight Habib. I think no, he, wants, he wants to win that back. Ass again. Yeah, he wants to win back. I mean, yeah. It, it and it's no. like, I. I understand Look, that competitive nature. I totally agree with you, Mike. Like he, he, I know inside of him, he believes he's going to win that fight. I know inside of my big old noggin here, well, that uh, dude's going to get well, fucked again. Well, and then, I don't need to see it again. If he, I mean, look at. I've been kind of a Connor hater. I, I I love what he does in the octagon. I don't mind watching that dude get his ass beat and having his ego taken down a notch. I'll watch Habib wrestle fuck him every day of the week. I'll gladly put twenty bucks each time they they do it. But like after a while, it's going to be like. I already know this story. Honestly, that, that was a story. that was a fight where I'm just like, I'd happily watch both these guys get beat up. I'm okay with it. They both get their ass beat up. Be entertained. By yeah, it. well, that's the thing is like, I haven't seen anyone fucking touch Habib. I would, I would love <laughs> so, to see. I, I mean, if somebody whoop Habib's ass, I just love to see it. I'm like, I'd I didn't know that was possible. Vastly interested to be like, why can't Habib take no, this I, man down? What's going there's on? no. Uh, I mean, I look. I recognize like there's no like. I have no interest in really seeing Connor. I mean, look, I'll watch Connor fight. I'll be honest. I'm gonna watch it, but. You know. I don't need to see him lose this fight again because I've already we've already seen this fight. I don't need to see fights that I know what's going to happen. But I recognize that they everybody stands to make a trillion dollars if that fight happens. So, um, anyway, um, interview is interesting. Him and Ariel for like thirty five minutes. You know, Ariel's in New York. Connor's in Abu Dhabi. At some point, Connor's like, it's like Ariel's like, oh, I haven't missed one of your fights in whatever you know. In, since the Brimish fight, and Connor, Connor's like, "Can we?" He looks. I was looking off camera. Can we get Ariel here? Can we? Can he take a test? Can we get Ariel here? And Ariel's like, "Uh, yeah, you know, travel restrictions." <laughs> like Connor's trying to get Ariel on a fucking private jet to Abu Dhabi, <laughs> and Ariel's like, "Yeah, I got like four kids. I can't go." <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, news. We got some news this week. Um. Stipe versus Francis too. In March. Cool. I'm I'm in. I'm I'm for a fight we saw once already. I'm like, oh, let's do it. Yeah. Just having the conversation of, you know, replaying matches that weren't super competitive. I think Francis could assert himself a little better. I think he got well, a little bit of It's also real stressful that whole fight. I mean, the first couple of rounds where you're like, this motherfucker's gonna uncork one any second now. <laughs> like <laughs> there's that. But yeah, I don't mind. It wasn't. It wasn't so one sided that I was like, "Oh, France, he's what is he going to do this fight? Land a big shot? Yeah, yeah, he might land a big shot. Yeah, that's kind of what that's, the fuck that's what we're, so talking, we're doing here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if Stipe just wrestled them to the, you know and just demolished. If it was just a complete one sided beating, yeah, I wouldn't be that interested. But when it comes to a firefight with Francis Ngannou, yeah, he's always going to have a shot. I think. I think he he hit Stipe. I mean, Steph, do you remember? I think Stipe got hit a couple times the first time too by Francis. Maybe not full overream shot. But nothing clean, nothing yeah. clean. Uh, he always moved, and it was a weird Francis is uh, what that fight was. He was taking big wind-up shots, right? Because you knew him to kind of be a counterpuncher, or he'd throw like a big powerful flurry, but like he looked wild and reckless. I think the kind of tale on it was like, oh, Francis believes his own hype going into this type yeah. of fight. And now it's backfiring. And now he's getting gassed real early. So, you know, there's such, there was such a mental gaff in that fight. I think everything Mark says, you kind of go into that rematch thinking like, 
This one, I don't necessarily think will go the same way. It wasn't just he was purely outclassed. There were a lot of factors. Maybe at the end of the day, maybe the second one will tell us. Maybe he is outclassed, but um, yeah, I mean, there right are a now, lot of things you could attribute to that first one. Right now, if I have to pick, I'm probably going with Stipe. The man's greatest ever, heavyweight ever, quite frankly, and he beat him once. Um, but, you know, it's in the back of your head. Mike, co-main event is going to be Volkanovski, Brian Ortega. Be real weird if Brian Ortega became featherweight champion. Honestly, this fight is very important for the winner of Saturday's main event because if Alex wins, yeah, Max isn't getting uh, another title shot because he's already lost the first two. If you really don't think he's gonna get it, you don't think he's gonna get it? You want to see that shit? Look, dude, he won the second fight, man, or it was close enough. Max is awesome, and Max very well could have won the second fight, but Jesus, man, like. This way too soon. Like I, I need a bit more time in between, you know, the second fight between a rubber match. I don't. I don't Especially think there's anybody match there. Where the first guy already won the, you know, the first two fights. Is there anybody up there right now? Because honestly, Zombie losing to Ortega messed everything up. They should have just booked Alex versus Zombie. We had to go with the fucking half storyline of Ortega and Zombie, and it ruined the title. Alex and Zombie. Is that is that if he didn't fight Ortega? Right? Yeah, that's what they should have booked. Zombie yeah. deserves a title shot, but. I don't know who else is up there at 45. I'm trying to think. Like, Yeah, I'm not sure, too. I mean, it, it is a tough position because it would be fighters that Max has both competed against. But I, I think if Ortega wins, I think that's an easy fight to have with Alex because Alex already beat him. And if Ortega beats Alex Vol- Volkanovsky, and he doesn't do it just purely on grappling, and like if he doesn't just, if the fight isn't him just taking him down and subbing him within the first minute, and it's actually him standing and like being because like that's the story of Brian Ortega is that he went away for a year and became a completely different fighter yep. and demolished Korean Zombie in a stand-up war, which we didn't think he had, you know, really much of a chance in competing in that type of fight. To have him elevate himself that much in a year's time is astronomical. You don't really see grapplers get that good at striking. You know, you look yeah. at Damian Meyer. Like the dude's a decent kickboxer. Hey, if he's not... the one to figure out Volkanovski, that'd be incredible. Honestly, yeah, if it, he would be, out it, it would it would be fantastic. Yeah, the other guys at the top look like there's Zabit and Yair, and I don't okay. know where Zabit. Were they going to fight each other? And then somebody got COVID. I meant this in my head. I feel that I fight Zab- almost got booked like three times. Well, Zabit beat Calvin Cater or Cater, yeah. right? Like, so I mean, he's right up there, and, and I think that's legit. And and I, I mean, honestly, I agree with Mike. It's just like. There, there's no there's no denying that Max Holloway is the number one contender, but it's just like they had an immediate rematch. It was also a very close fight. The first fight was pretty close. I mean, I, th- I think Alex definitely won that, that first fight, but it's just like to have the trilogy within like almost a year's time, it's just too much, you know, and it's not fair to Max. He definitely deserves a shot, but it's just like I need I need I need more time to think like Max is I, I want more. I want one more fight with Max and I, I would love to see him fight zombie, even though it doesn't make any sense. You know, with, with the standings, but I think this, that would just be a fun fire fight. But yeah, but I, I'm I'm really excited for this fight because I was so impressed with Ortega uh, versus Zombie, and to see what Man. he does in Alex, and especially if it goes to the ground, if he can get Alex to the ground somehow and use some of his jujitsu, because that's where he's the strongest. So I, I think it's I'd a really compelling fight. It'll be fun to break down when we get closer to it. Yeah, uh, Zabit and Yair were going to fight in August, and then Yair pulled out, and gotcha. then Yair. Got some sort of whereabouts USADA violation for not up, not saying where he was going to be. He can't fight cool. for two more months, whatever. Zabit hasn't fought in a year, a year plus, actually. Man. A lot of that's what well, happens, man. You, all your hype goes away there. Those two guys are deserving, and I wouldn't hate if they fought the well. 
I think they should no. fight each other. Give me that fight. Let's do no, it. That would, what that are we doing? Bad. Hey, you um, know, just have Max fight Korean zombie. Just put it, put it like on. I put it on ABC. It's a fun time, you know, not a serious time. Let's just have because I think that's just a fun fight. I would, I would, I would hate to see Max leave forty five and not get a crack at the zombie. Again, doesn't make sense where they're standing. Korean zombie just lost, but it's just so fun. Just do so, it. um, John Jones weighs two hundred fifty pounds apparently, and he looks yoked, and he's out there on. I, all I see from him is uh, he's at the gym. And he's posting TikToks, dancing with Michelle Waterson and Holly Holm and Clarissa Shields. And then he's got machine guns and he's doing pull-ups. John Jones' social media is a real interesting place. Um, is he walking into a title shot? Are they going to pay him? Let's go. Well, let's assume, let's assume they're going to wait that long. Because I mean, well, when we have, in Francis? Well, yeah, who we do you want to fight? We also got John. You know, the the two people John could be fighting. It's either Francis or Stipe. They're fighting each other. Is there nobody else up there that he could fight at heavyweight? What if Reem beats beats? He, he's fighting oh, in a couple weeks. Isn't he, isn't I would like, love to see a Reem John. Aren't they Jones buddies? Fight. Kind of. Aren't they like friends or some shit? When like I thought they were. I mean, like, they I mean, train together, but like I don't think Reem actually trains with anybody. He just uses their gym space, and he has like a bunch of goons not allow them to watch or some shit. It's very weird. But I mean, that, that's just, that's just a fight. Me personally, because I'm a Al, big Alistair fan. I think it would be nice to. Jones shouldn't just get. I mean, okay, not on. It's not a merit thing where he doesn't like deserve to get immediate title shot. He absolutely does. I would just like to see him get like. Look, you're going up to like. There's weight divisions. They're usually like ten pounds. This He's one's going- <laughs> sixty pounds. Like, let's get in one fight where it's not for the title. Just to make sure, like, he can handle this weight. He can it's handle thirty percent addition and body weight. <laughs> Yeah, it's and I, I think him and over him would be fun. I think the stand up would be good, and if uh, I think the clinch is really interesting, and if Jones gets uh, over him down, he'll just bounce his head off the canvas like uh, Blades did. So that's great. Yeah, I mean, well, that, he, you can't go wrong with an over him fight because someone's going to get knocked out in hilarious fashion. It's going to be over him. Uh, if, Curtis if, Blades. If, if we're going with comparisons, though. Um, Daniel Cormier got an immediate title shot. And, you know, and if you're, we, I think we all accept it. If you're a champion in any weight class, you want to go to a different weight class, we give you a title shot. Well, we, we, people are getting title shots of losses now, for the love of God. Stimulation on DC, he was a heavyweight, and then he moved down light heavyweight and he went back up. So it's like we already had that question answered of like, how does this guy deal at heavyweight? Fucking great. He beat everyone at heavyweight. He was undefeated in that weight division. We didn't, with, with John Jones, is like this dude has fought his whole career at 205, and now he's going to fight at 160. I mean, sorry, 260. That's 55 fucking pounds you, you, you're making up, but. I think that warrants like let's dip a toe in the water, you know. It's John Jones. Give him. A well, this ben is what this Rothwell is what we got, man. To, to, to this is what we got. You're not gonna book John Jones against a. They, they gotta, they're gonna. They're gonna pay John Jones. They're gonna want a big fight. Let's get, let's get Brock in there, baby. That I was gonna say. That's the answer here. Someone got a saw a picture of Brock in the wild. WrestleMania is getting <laughs> close. We got to figure out what Brock's up to, man. He's, he's either gonna show up at WrestleMania in Tampa or he's gonna fight John Jones. Um, and Ganu's the f- number one ranked contender, followed by Blades, Biggie Boy, Derek Lewis. And I think Derek Lewis and Blades got booked again, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that headline. I would just say, uh, let's not do Blades. Then Reem. <laughs> then Reem. <laughs> no, he'd, he'd fuck Blades up. Um, then Overeem, then Volkov, Cyril Gane. We're getting interested. We're getting to the part where John Jones isn't fighting any of these people. Yeah, I mean, now, now we're getting too yeah. deep into the weeds. Where it's like, by the way, oh, this, is, this, this is six and seven, by the way. Biggie Boy would be fun. I think that'd be uh, fun. Biggie boy. Okay. That'd be fun too, I guess. Um, anyway. Um, all right. Let's make some picks. Real quick. Let's knock out this Wednesday. Um, Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny on a card that, quite frankly, is lacking. 
in terms of everything beyond this fight. Um, Roxanne's fighting somebody, and Tyson Nam's on there. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's pretty bad, but it's also these fights will be starting at 9 in the morning. So it's kind of like, you know, on a Wednesday, on a work day, it's like, you know what? I'm okay. This, card this is, isn't this like, is what you're going to have on in the background, Marcus? Just sitting this going on in the background? <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I might, I'll might. i probably do what I always do, wait until after it's over, and then pick and choose the ones I like. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, not a great card, but man, like you said, you got Roxanne, you got Tyson Nam. I mean, Warley Alves at one point was a bit of a prospect. That shit fell off hard, yeah. I remember, but he was one. Anyway, Michael Chiesa and Neil Mag um longtime listeners of the podcast know I'm a bit of a Neil Magny mark for really no apparent reason. Kiesa's on a third three-fight win streak. Um, probably the biggest win of his career in his last fight, beating Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, this was at uh 170, obviously, which is where this uh, weight this fight is taking place. It's Magny's, I mean, uh Kiesa's 3-0 in this weight class. Neil Magny came back from uh Losing to Santiago Ponzanibio and has rattled off three straight wins over Li Jing Lang and to Anthony Rocco Martin and Robbie Lawler. Last fighting Robbie back in August. The betting odds for this one, Steph, I think we're leaning towards Magni as the favorite. Uh, yeah, fairly close. Magni comes in a slight favorite at minus 145 to Chiesa's plus 125. Okay, I'm going to pick real real quick. I recognize how Neil Magni loses this fight because in every fight, Neil Magni makes one error that you're like, oh my God, Neil Magni just gave this fight away. And more often than not, he recovers. In this fight, it would be he gives up his back stupidly and gets choked. Um, I'm going to assume Neil Magny learned something from that Damian Maya seminar he went to about jujitsu. Because um, uh, he, he he actually he got submitted after that. I feel worse now. Um, he ain't got <laughs> tapped out in three years. I'm still taking Neil Magny <laughs> um, to get this done here. I think it's going to be... I mean, he has this hard to finish. So I it might take all five rounds. But I got Magni. Steph, what do you got? Uh, I'm assuming you threw it back to me, but that kind of works really well because um, I've randomly supported Kiesa for no particular reason. Uh, he's a guy who I kind of generally have faith in. I like his skill set. Um, and as you said, Bob, it's easy for me to see how Michael Chiesa loses. Mm -hmm. and you know how that is? Limitations as a fighter. Uh, he <laughs> has limitations as a striker, wow. as a grappler. He's... He's of the Kenny Florian school of the guy who maximizes his potential, but they are not an athlete. You know, like he he's in that crop of fighters the way you have like the super athletic freaks. And it's like, hey, can they learn how to do striking? You know, um, this is the where Chiesa comes from. But the thing is, why I like him is he maximizes it pretty well. You see that he does get improving. He His linear striking has put power behind it finally. So whenever he loses... He's outmatched. You just you'll see it. And Magny's not really that guy to me, but Magny's a guy I never get right. When I think he's gonna win, he loses. When I think he's gonna lose, he pulls it off. So um, there's no reason for him to break that trend here. But Kiesa uh, is a guy that I've just kind of supported a bit more. I think Magny should insult Kiesa's mom. It will get him off his game, as we learned. That he is the takes key to everything very personal. He does do that. He's a, he's a real sore like loser too. Always, whenever he even he gets finished, he's just like. Man, I, I, that was my fight. And I'm just like, well, you got choked out. What, what do you want? Um, by the way, does whoever wrote Neil Magny's Wikipedia page, the Haitian sensation, not one person has ever said Neil Magny's I've never was heard Haitian. that before in my life. Yeah, I didn't know he was Haitian. I thought he's just, you know, a guy from Denver. And I'm Mag learning he's not. He just trains in Denver. Magny does not sound very French sound. In my he's, his name is actually... Uh, 
A-O-U-T, Neil. Out, is that French? Neil, I, don't I don't know, but his middle name is Jacques. Oh, so that, but that's pretty fucking French. There it is. Um, Marcus, what do you think? Magni, the, the Haitian, or Chiesa, the Wait, angry person, I guess. Yeah, when it comes between, you know, we, we got two different views with you and stuff. I definitely lean on Steph's side where Neil Magni just never never inspired never really did much to to get me excited you know what's sad think, we're like we're like 15 fights in and Neil Magny still hasn't done anything to inspire you and i i don't well, blame that's you. even after we had uh what's his face on the show a decade ago and he was like neil Magny is my favorite fighter and i was like what of all all the roster of ufc and bellator and dream and everybody neil Magny's your dude huh and then i no. remember like this fucker likes no. neil Magny. next fight i was no, like mark, oh, I gotta pick neil Magny. Uh-huh. mark Go ahead. before you make your pick do you want to join Stefan here, not picking Neil Magny on this day of all days, Martin Luther King Day? Oh, You're making a race thing, but yeah, I'm not gonna gonna... Pick. I don't pick on holidays. It's like it's not like if Ben Rothwell's fighting on Christmas Day, I'm like, no, 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 big fat white guy, he's definitely gonna win. It's Christmas, baby. It's Santa Claus in the house. Yeah, that's not where my logic is gonna go here. Mostly, you know, when, when I was looking at the fight and trying to, you know, definitely leaning against. Uh, Kiesa, but like not a strong conviction because he's always been a guy that's like he's been in the UFC for a long time. He's never been close to a title shot. And I was like, I'm like, why is that? You know, I looked at his record. He has a pretty fucking good record. You know why he doesn't get a title shot? He's on the conversation because he's in fucking lightweight where you have to, you literally have to be a Tony Ferguson and get eight wins in a row to get in that conversation. So yeah. I look at his record and I'm like, he's only lost four fights and he's had 21 fights, like almost all in the UFC. And you start looking at how he's lost. He loses most of his fights by submission. I'm like, ooh, you know what? Neil Magny, he's pretty good on the ground. How much submissions does this guy have? He doesn't have that many submissions. He's got three submissions. That's not enough submissions. This guy wins most of his fights by decision. Guess how many decisions Michael Kessler's lost? Zero. I'm doing MMA math, baby. I'm figuring out the matrix here. No, Mark no, is I'm... like three. Mark is so close to a Jerry Seinfeld impersonation. I got Kiza. It's not a strong conviction. I, I do think. I like, mo- I like how we all recognize how our pick is going to lose. And for good reason, like these guys are, are two good fighters, but they're two guys that have never really been able to, to get out of the pack. Um, I will say since moving to welterweight, Kiz has looked really good. He hasn't lost a fight yet. Uh, Magni is is that guy that like in as much as I like to shit on him and, and not have a lot of faith in him and and it, it's been a lot like Stefan. There's been times where I'm like, you know what? I, I'm a believer now. I got Neil Magni in this one, and then he loses. I'm like, well, fuck. I don't know what this fucking guy is doing anymore. I don't know where he succeeds at. He's just one of those guys that's good all around. Much like Kiesa, I think Kiesa's a good all around fighter. I think he's obviously a lot better with submissions. Great back control, like Bobby said. Like the the place Kiesa is going to win this fight is he's going to be able to get his back and choke him. I don't think he's going to get a decision, even though he's never lost a decision. I don't think he's going to get a decision on Neil Magny. Neil Magny's think- here to win decisions, brother. That's what he's yeah, here and for. Five rounds, Magny has had a few more of those than Kiza has. So I think I think that's a strong case for him. But I just I don't have a lot of faith in Magny, so I'm going with Kiza. But yeah, it, being a realist, I think this is a very close fight. I, I think there's good reason why Magny is the favorite, but... I just, I just can't get on board because I'm just, he doesn't, he doesn't excite me, you know. Magny's got to get a finish over one of these fights. I mean, one of these main events they give him, man. He's got, he's not going to get anywhere if he wins a few decisions. Then they give him a better fighter and he loses by knock, like knockout. Yeah. And he just, we're restarting think, a cycle with him, which is three wins, fight somebody better, 
and you get knocked out, and then three more decisions. He does the same shit over and over again. It's one of those things. Getting wins is the most important thing in the game, but like to get a fan base, to get people behind you, you kind of have to have a bombastic personality if you're not getting it done in the action. And he doesn't have. He's a very dry. I mean, guy, we're, we're, like, this is his twenty four guy's personality, but I'm just saying, like, to get me on board, you either gotta, you know, wow me in the octagon, which he's kind of failed to do. Or really, you know, get me interested in your personality because you're such a flavorful guy. You know, you're, you're you have joke. I mean, whatever your shtick is, you know, whether you want to. He's just a normal dude, man. Translate <laughs> for you. I mean, whatever it's going to be, let it be something. But he's just kind of he's milk toast. You know, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. He, he's he's getting it done. He's surviving at welterweight in the UFC. I caps off to him, but I just can't really get a fervor for him. So I'm going with guess. Twenty fourth fight in the UFC, actually, from Neil Magny. Mike, I imagine you kind of just tipped your hand, but you're going Magny here, right? No, no, no. I just wanted to make a make a joke. I'm actually going with Kiesa Holiday. I'm really on an island here. Okay. I'm LKJ. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, Y'all know, okay. yeah. I, I see when the I, white man kicks the white boy to win, it's all nah, racist. You know, it, it's right all about here. MLK, but as Mark pointed out, I like looking at the STAT, the stats, baby. And in addition to what Mark said, um, this is going to be Kiesa's fourth fight at welterweight he had to drain himself a lot to get to 155 um even as good as he was i think that probably contributed to some of his losses down there and at this point we know who neil magny is i think there's still some untapped room for michael chiesa at this new weight class so relatively new it is his fourth one in fourth fight in but i'm gonna go with Chiesa for that reason because we still don't know what his ceiling is here at 170. All righty. Wow, I'm on an island myself. All right, moving on to UFC 257. We're actually going to uh, work our way up from the bottom, the main card. Uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Rivas. Uh, Marina suffered her first loss in a split decision to Carla Sparza back in July um, on the Whitaker Darren Till card. Amanda Rivas, um, 10 and 1, five straight wins in the UFC. Um, did she break Paige Van Zandt's arm when she beat her? She didn't it? break it, but she tapped her. Yeah, okay. I thought Paige had a broken arm. Um, people really enjoy Amanda Rebus's personality, is what I've learned on uh, Twitter. She's real entertaining and bubbly and, you know, she tries to speak English and she's kind of funny. Um, Stefan, what are the betting odds for this one? Uh, sorry. Um, Amanda Rebus is a big fat favorite. She is minus 300 to uh rodriguez's plus 250 yeah that seems about right i'm taking i'm taking amanda rebus mike yep i'm gonna be taking rebus as well steph after last week taught me to always support the hype train um because that always goes well and never gets derailed uh i am going to stay on the hype train yes nice uh mark clean sweep all aboard baby um next up we got a bit of a prospect fight here matt fravola um from the Dana White Contender Series, 8-1-1 one one in the UFC. Last one, it was a win over um, violent Bob Ross himself, Luis, Luis Pena, one of my guys. Um, beat him in a split back at the Joanna Watterson card a year and three months ago. Hasn't fought in 15 months. Um, on the other end, we got Otman Azayatar. Um, man has never seen a loss. He's 13-0, 10 knockouts, two submissions, one decision. Um, UFC knockouts over Timu, Pakalan, and Kama Worthy. Um, that last one being in September. 
Two performance of the night bonuses and two fights, both first round knockouts. I'm going to assume this gentleman's the favorite, Stefan. Uh, he is, but it's actually a closer line. Ottman is coming in at minus 155 to plus 135. Frivola? 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 Um, yeah. Anyways, close odds, as similar odds to the uh, case uh, Magni fight. Yeah, uh, Frivola actually a, uh, was a member, is a member of Sarah Longo, from uh, what I can tell here. Training out of, uh, fighting out of Huntington, New York. Um, and uh, Ottman is, well, he's German. His nickname is the Bulldozer. He's Moroccan slash German. Um, from the Jupes fight team. He is 30 years old with a 13-0 record. Uh, Marcus, which way are you going? Yeah, I'm going to go with Ottoman on this one. Um, I mean, I, I I know I've seen both these guys' fights. Ottoman's name does sound familiar. There's not a lot of <laughs> look, there's not a lot of reasoning behind this one. And even when you said uh, Dana White fights, he was like, ooh. Ooh, that's something that's personal. I mean, look, let's let's be honest with you people here. This we recognize this is a fight between two prospects, and we feel it is our duty to pick this fight. We're sticking a claim. Yeah, sticking a claim in this thing, man. We don't want to. They both had multiple UFC fights at this point. We can make a pick. So, um, (laughs) I'm going with Otterman. There's not a lot of reasoning behind it. I mean, I'm super impressed with you know not only being undefeated, but like he's finished every fight but one. Uh, both of his UFC fights were performance of the night. They're against two guys I'm not familiar with. Um, the one thing I did like about Matt, um, I'm very familiar with uh, Luis Pena, and I think he's a fantastic talent. So getting one over that guy, you know, makes me you know think about my pick. But ultimately, the Ottoman's just it's all green here, baby. It's all wins. It's all knockouts. So I'm going with him. But yeah, it'll be it, this will be a good measuring stick. You know, this is I think why they put this weird fight on this card is like, look, we know you guys don't know who these guys are. They're gonna deliver. We're gonna try to make you a fan of one of them. I think Ottoman's gonna be that guy. Yo, this guy Ottoman's got a wild Wikipedia page, guys. Um just this slide here. Um he attended the King Fod Academy in Bonn, which is in Germany, until the age of fifteen. The controversial school, which shut down in 2017 of its own accord, was funded by the Saudi government and was suspected of, quote, attracting Islamists to Germany, unquote. Man's lived a wild got All an right. interesting situation going on there. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, like, he not, wasn't running the school, he was just a student. Yeah, apparently, like he like he had then he went to college, like regular German school. He couldn't speak the language. He got a 1.9 GPA. Anyway, I'm picking this guy too. I got Ottman also. That's I don't got a reason, but he's got two knockouts in the UFC in a combined five minutes. That's what I got. Mike? <laughs> I was going to go with Frivola, but it sounds like Ottman has led a, an interesting life. So <laughs> for that reason alone, I'm picking him. Stefan, there's an opportunity here not to pick the guy for no, for no reason. <laughs> pick a different guy for no reason. I'm picking for no reason. Uh, Otman Azaitar, that's a name that I should know. That's like a name. Yeah. Matt Frevola, that 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 doesn't that doesn't is friendless. Uh and what I remember from the violent Bob Ross fight was I don't remember Matt's part in it whatsoever. I remember on that night I learned Violent Bob Ross is a very sore loser. Oh, he was, he was so pissed. Very he was so he pissed. out of the cage. He was yelling and screaming at people, and they're like, he's not even gonna wait for like to like anyone to talk to him he just stormed out super pissed off and i'm like oh this guy really doesn't like losing to this guy yeah i i was i'm glad you said it because i was like i'm trying to remember that fight i'm like well, did he get screwed and i'm looking i'm like all i remember from that fight was he yeah was the, me- the media pretty much had a split on who won that so it was a close fight um all right so we're all taking ottman in that one um joanne calderwood jessica i jojo i last time we saw her fight 
was when she gave away a title shot while fighting Jennifer Maya for no reason. When the UFC said, hey, you can wait. You can, you can fight Valentina in a couple months. And she said, no, I'm going to fight. And then she put on one of her worst performances, getting tapped out by Jennifer Maya. Um, Jessica, I... I don't remember anything that's happened to her since Valentina kicked her head off. But apparently she lost a fight to Cynthia Calvillo, where Jessica I missed weight. Um, this was a five-round main event. Really? They put that on TV, huh? Okay. She's uh, She lost that fight previously. She got a win over Vivian Arujo, and the fight before that is when she fought for the championship and Valentina kicked her head into the fourth row. Betting odds, Stefan. Uh, this will be the closest fight we pick. Um, JoJo is coming in at minus 120 to even money on uh, Jessica I. Okay. I'm taking JoJo because I don't pick Jessica I, I've noticed. I don't think in fights in general. I pick Jessica I. I recognize she's a decent stand-up, stand-up fighter. JoJo's a better stand-up fighter. And I'm going to choose to believe that that last fight was a bit of an aberration. Because JoJo honestly had looked pretty good. Um, in most of her performances since moving over to um, Syndicate MMA over in um, in Vegas. Um, so I'm going to assume that was just a bad matchup and Jennifer Maya's strong and JoJo's grappling isn't that great to begin with. So I'm going to think JoJo gets herself back on track. Maybe gets this one. Maybe she gets another one. Hell, maybe they don't even make her do another one and she gets a title shot. But we're, that's where we're at in this weight class. I... I don't really pick Jessica in fights, I've noticed. And maybe that's to detriment. She's probably a better fighter than I give her credit for. But I'm going JoJo. Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. where I'm going with JoJo as well. But there's not strong convictions either way. I, mm-hmm. I think both girls have a hard time getting being consistent, getting consistent wins throughout their career. Um, it was unfortunate with what JoJo decided to do. You know, taking that, um, that Maya fight. You know, on kind of short notice and you know rolling the dice hoping she can get it done and really solidify herself for that title shot and you know she ended up losing that fight um the only thing i'm kind of hedging my bet is is like what's really happened since i lost to um uh shlomenko right i'm not saying that right but um Shevchenko. yeah she has not made weight <laughs> next nope. fight she has not made weight yet so yeah. i'm kind of thinking <laughs> My, if I was going to bet on anything on this fight is that jessica i might not make weight because there's been some consistency there um Otherwise, I think it's going to be a competitive fight because I think they're both going to stand up. I think they're both pretty strong in the stand up. I think what Jessica I really has one of her best weapons is her jab. She has a fantastic jab. I think it's going to give uh, uh, Joanne issues, um, but I'm hoping she can get over them. This is more of a pick of the heart and wanting Calderwood to get at that level that we've seen her at in some fights. Um, but you know, just guys going to be hard out. It's not going to be an easy fight, but yeah, it is. It's a little bit less betting against I, which is kind of a shitty thing to do, and I'm not super happy to do it but again neither of these girls have been super consistent so there's not like there's any momentum riding here um i think stylistically they match up pretty well but yeah i don't know i'm going with joanne because i really hope she wins um mike god bless mark trying to be objective here i have no qualms about that i want jojo to win i would i want to see her have a title shot just because she's she just seems like such a nice person like you just you just want to put her in your pocket so I'm going with JoJo. What? Okay, Stefan. I'm glad I'm going last because you guys all had much more productive things to say about the fighters. I put her in my pocket. Picked, you know, Bobby, you know why I never picked Jessica I? I don't think she's any good. Like, when she got a title fight, I'm like, what, did she lose her way into it? Because I'm like, I've never seen her be good at anything. 
Jojo, I really like. She's in the camp of Kesa. She is physically underwhelming, and that's why she tends to kind of cap. She she tops out at a certain point. Um, she's a slow starter. She has good technical stand up. She has trouble getting it off. She has she's not consistent in asserting herself. And I'm gonna do something weird just because you all pick Jojo. I love Jojo. Jojo is one of the few fighters I follow on Instagram. Period. And she's one of the few ones who doesn't disappoint me and thus make me shortly unfollow thereafter. She never disappoints me. She's never in the news saying, doing dumb shit, having terrible opinions. JoJo is wonderful. But um, to what Mark mentioned, Jessica I is going to miss weight. And she's going to be bigger and stronger than JoJo. And this is where JoJo falters. Is like, she can get physically overwhelmed by people. Um you know, and then she just doesn't get that sand up off. You know, I, I'm a total winner. If JoJo comes in elbows and knees her in the face and knocks Jessica out because she's not very good, I, I'm having a great time. But um, I am I am agreeing that with Mark that she's going to miss weight. And um, at least last year, was it what was that year where missing weight? You were like, they were like near undefeated. Like it might have been 2019, I think, where everybody, nobody it was lost. A great year to miss weight. Everyone yeah, nobody, was doing fantastic. Um, um are we all are we are we all picked we're, we're done with this one yeah everyone co-main event the ufc debut of the three-time bellator lightweight champion of the world well three different reigns bunch of defenses in there iron michael chandler um mike chandler coming off of a win over benson henderson his second victory over benson henderson back in august Hit him with a, a knockout punch two minutes into the fight. 21-5 and five overall, 16 finishes. Uh, people who know math means five decisions. His five losses, three of them by knockout. Um, Will Brooks knocked him out. Um, he kind of broke his ankle or something against Primus. If you guys remember that one? That was kind of weird. And then uh, the guy I want in the UFC that's in Bellator, Patricio Pitbull, uh, knocked him out um, May of 2019 in about a minute. Took his lightweight strap off of him. Dan Hooker, his opponent. Dan Hooker um, in a fight of the year candidate. His last fight back in June against Dustin Poirier. Nice that he's taking some time off because that was a rough one. That was a rough fight. Um, but just an awesome one. Before that, three straight wins over James Vick, Ally Quinta, Paul Felder. Um, honestly, he has won, uh, looks like, seven of nine in the UFC since being at lightweight. Um in his most recent run here. Dan Hooker's a good fighter. We all know it. Betting odds for this one. Um, Stefan, I think this is probably pretty close. <laughs> uh, this is the second closest fight of the card that we're picking um, because Chandler is the underdog at plus 105. So um, only Jessica I's even money is lower with only uh, with Hooker only coming in at minus 125 as a favorite. Though I will say my just own commentary, I would have thought Chandler would be the... I thought the line would be reversed. I thought Chandler would be the slight favorite going into this. Let me ask you, do you think, and I'm saying this question because I think, obviously, I think this myself, this isn't peak Michael Chandler we're seeing right here. Like, this isn't the best version of Michael Chandler. That already happened. Do you think well, that's you some of it? you tell me when that is because um, of us, I think I'm the biggest attractor. I'm not a big Michael Chandler fan. So you tell I me think, what peak was. Honestly, I'm going to say somewhere around when Will Brooks beat him was probably the best he was, my opinion. 
Maybe a little bit yeah, after actually. That's what Will maybe after I really maybe, liked and boy did maybe he. a little after. Maybe 2016 when he was German suplexing Benson Henderson. I think that was it. He's 34 years old. Bellator's lightweight division is actually one of their better divisions because lightweight is the best division in this sport, obviously. Um, look, I'm just gonna I'm picking Michael. I'm picking uh, Dan Hooker because the UFC debuts are tough, and I know there's not a lot of fans of this, but it's a Conor McGregor card, so there's gonna be pressure. It's a lot of pressure. He's probably gets to go out there and gets a knockout. The UFC spent some money on him. He might get a title shot. I think he's gonna lose. I think he's gonna be a good fight. I think it's gonna be a three round fight. I think he's gonna lose two rounds. Dan Hooker's a really good fighter. I think Michael Chandler is going to get into a firefight. I think he's going to have too much ego to go to any sort of grappling, which he should. And I, yeah, I think Dan Hooker's going to win this fight. Steph, what do you think? So what you mentioned, the wrestling factor is why I thought the line would have been reversed. I thought having that wrinkle in his game is what would have made Chandler the slight favorite going into it. But um, to keep it short, yeah, I think Dan Hooker would be the champion in Bellator. Like... Dan Hooker's really, really good. Um, well, I, 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 I disagree there because Pitbull is better. Um, I, I have him over any of the Pitbulls. I don't. I don't think. Oh, hating the the Pitbulls. <laughs> they all suck too, Bobby. What do you want me to hey, say? Hey, no, no. One of the Pitbulls is great. The other one is less good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? In my eyes, I, I could be wrong because I don't watch Bellator super closely. I feel like they've just been j- trading that belt hands a bunch of times, so I don't necessarily believe in any of them that much. <laughs> We're never going to get Pitbull in the UFC, are we? Damn. Okay, Mark, who do you got in this one? Um, I, I was really on the fence. Uh, I was mostly going to lean whatever way we weren't already because we always we, we, we do tend to kind of all pick the same. So I, I like to mix it up. Um, and this is a fight where I don't really have that big of issue picking one guy over the other because um, I think they both have avenues to win. Um, I, I'm Unlike Steph, I'm not surprised Dan Hooker is the um, the favorite here, even though I can understand why you're reasoning. I mean, he, he's coming in with a lot of hype. Um, I think, and, and one of the things I was just looking at, I was like, okay, I want to see what wrestlers has Dan fought and how do he do against them? And the biggest one I can see here is Al Alquinta, um, and he beat him. So I was like, all right, that's, that's pretty convincing for me. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Chandler just to mix it up. Uh, I do think he's an extremely well-rounded fighter, and I think he's going to have to use all those skills. I think if he just goes into a firefight, if he's just looking to exchange with Dan Hooker and is not able to get in clinch positions to get shots, to, to get this fight on the ground, he's going to be outclassed. And um, I also agree with you, if Dan Hooker was in Bellator, I definitely think he's in the title picture, and I think he's holding that belt. I think he might trade it a few times with uh, Pitbull and maybe even Chandler, too. you got to trade that belt, Stefan. Yeah, That's what we I do think, in Bellator. We trade the belt. <laughs> you know, we, 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 anytime we pick these these fights, we only have so much to go off of because we obviously we're not looking at tape and really breaking down the fights that way. So we're really looking at records. And when you have a guy from another organization, it's hard to compare. They don't have a lot of common opponents. It's hard to contrast the two. And it's easy to say that the the, the less big organization has inferior talent. You know, that's just a very easy thing to turn to. But we've seen time and time again, that's not always true. We've seen guys come from Bellator and come from Strike Force and 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 just mop the floor with UFC guys. You know, it's not always a one-to-one statement that the big organization always has the best talent. And that's what makes this fight compelling. I'm really interested to see how Chandler matches up with these guys. I don't think Bobby's analysis that we might have already seen the best Chandler because he is 34, you know, and that's in the fight game. That's supposed to be this is kind of your twilight years. We've seen. Guys well, I was going to bring it up, Marcus, actually, because he won that belt over Eddie Alvarez. It was nine years ago. Yeah, it was not. It was, it was November 2011. I remember this because it was the same night as Hendover Shogun. That's right. And you, me, you, me and Stefan went to it. And then I remember we tried to. It was, uh, and then we drove back from San Jose, and we're at uh, 
people in the in California, Northern California, heard of Nations. It's a cheeseburger chain up here. We're at Nations because that's what's open at like one in the morning where we lived. And like I remember, we're looking on our phones like, "Oh goddamn, a petty Eddie Alvarez got in a yeah, barn burner and lost his belt." All around, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I definitely think Chandler he has all the things you need. I mean, when Steph was talking about Keza and JoJo, like these aren't real athletes. Chandler's a fucking athlete. Like he's an athlete who also has a shit ton of heart. We've seen him get hurt. We've seen him fight through adversity to to get wins, um, to really pull it out. So like he has all the makings of a of a fantastic fighter potentially a championship contender if not potentially holding the belt i think potentially he could do that i'm not it's not out of the realm of possibility for me to see him fight the light if he wins this fight especially fight the lights of dustin poirier and, i mean connor i'm not even gonna you know we're not gonna fathom that right now um but i could see him connor fight uh, justin Gaethje and, and asserting himself okay in those fights um so i'm gonna go with him but i think it's a really close fight i think it's a fantastic fight i'm really yeah, excited these, these, top, these top two fights are fucking i'm very yeah. excited this is yeah. this is a fucking this could easily have been a main event for any non-pay-per-view card it makes a fucking fantastic co-main event on a spectacular paper i'll be honest they didn't put michael chandler on here by accident either it's true they're, they're, they're doing a little insurance um but we've seen ufc i mean well, they want with, eyes on him too as i'm with, saying and, and, and that's true but with the connor fight like the rest of this card could have they could have really phoned this in and they would have gone away with it because it could have been the wednesday card connor can sell a card all by himself <laughs> but like they stacked this thing and this fight is a lot of that heavy lifting onto the stacking like this is a really Mike, interesting fight what do you think brother yeah i'm gonna go with hooker on on this one i think there's a possibility that they do just uh strike it out and there's not gonna be that much wrestling and I think there's a possibility that Hooker can just knock Chandler out in the second round. Whew. I mean, other people have done it. What, what happened to Will Brooks? Man, blocked <laughs> know, us on Twitter. Like he lost him twice in a row, and I was like, what happened to that dude? He fell no, well, off. The, the, well, the second time, was it the second time where I mean, Chandler got knocked out standing? All I did was we were at the Bellator event, and there was the banner of all the champions. All and I'm like, Will Brooks is the lightweight champion. How come he's not on the banner? That's all I wanted to know. It was out of positivity and concern. That's well, then, then I then I asked him. I just asked, "When is your contract?" Because he was complaining about something, and I said, "When is your contract up?" And that, that might have done it. But I feel that's not even that rude of a question because you're complaining about your well, you know like, status. You know, these four boys, they haters. These four. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel that most likely, you know, he was getting a lot of hate from other people. And he was just going on a rampant blocking spree. And I think we just got caught Man, I, in the, the way. I, I was watching Will Brooks' shitty cooking show when it came out. I was that much on board with Will Brooks. Um, all right, main event. Connor, Dustin 2, the rematch. First time these two gentlemen fought. Um, it was very different fight buildup, honestly. Um, I remember a lot of shit talk. A lot. It was Connor was deep in Dustin's head. Dustin was a real hothead. Um, you can tell the man's really, you know, grown up, quite frankly. And Connor talked about that too in his interview with Ariel, because Ariel brought up like, you guys didn't seem to like each other at all last time. This time it's real respectful. And Connor's just like, man, what are you, Connor's like, what are you, how do you not like Dustin Poirier? He man came back from losing to me, became a champion. He's a, you know, I'm donating to his charity. He's doing a lot of charity stuff. We're both fathers, yada, yada, yada. September, 2014. Uh, where Connor iced him in one minute and 46 seconds in easily the worst performance of Dustin Poirier's career. Easily. Um, I think that fight was so bad it made people question him being elite, quite frankly. 
on, even until he got that interim title. Like, we all thought he was going to lose to Max, I think, if I'm remembering our picks correctly at all. And some of that was just like, I think some of it just hung with him for a while. Like, is, you know, we saw Dustin fight a champion and Dustin got, you know, embarrassed. Conor McGregor, we don't have to explain what he's been up to. He wanted to fight four times last year. He fought once. There was a pandemic. The UFC wouldn't book him in a fight, probably for the money he's worth. UFC has a profit margin they want to maintain and a revenue split with their fighters, which is absurd. Connor said he would have been excited to fight in an empty arena. I would have been excited to hear it, quite frankly. Um, betting odds for this one, this guy's fought six years ago. It was a one-sided fight. I'm imagining Connor's a pretty decent favorite. Uh, yeah, um, you could have probably even gone higher, and I still wouldn't have balked at it. But uh, Connor is presently coming in at minus 300 to plus 250, Dustin Poirier. Dustin's last fight, I believe, was the hooker one. Am I not? I'm, I hope I'm not mistaken there. Um, okay. Yeah, because he came back from losing to Khabib, right? That was his comeback fight. And just an awesome fight. And it does sound like Connor's making a big donation to Dustin's uh, charity. Kiesa is doing that too, actually. Kiesa's made, I think, giving his, gonna auction off his fight gear from the Wednesday card. It's nice to see people giving stuff some stuff back. Um, look. I think Dustin Poirier is actually, he's an elite fighter. He proved it to all of us. And I'm excited to watch him fight people like Michael Chandler. I'm excited to watch him. You know, he beat Gaethje. That was impressive. I don't think we ever saw him fight Ferguson. That would have been cool. You know, I, the thing people as with all of Connor's bullshit is not talked about sometimes is Connor's an incredible fighter. Like Connor's an excellent fighter. And Khabib doesn't lose to anybody. Period. <laughs> Just because he lost to Khabib. Connors is he may he was he stunned Cerrone with shoulder strikes back in January last year. Remember that shit? It was wild. Um yeah, I got I got Connor. I'm not saying he's gonna beat him in the minute Connor said he was. It might take a little longer, but I think Connor's gonna knock him out, honestly. I think that's what we're gonna see. Um Mike, what do you think? No, I agree. Um, I think me and you talked about this fight yesterday and pretty much had the, the same kind of thought where who has Connor lost to in his UFC career? He lost to, to Nate once, all right? Nate's awesome. We're all on the Nate Diaz uh, hype train over here. No shame in that. And then he lost to Habib. Who the fuck doesn't lose to Habib? Everyone, uh, everyone else Connor has styled on in his UFC career. And Dustin Poirier is a much different fighter than he was was seven years ago when they last fought. He's been an interim champ. He's improved dramatically. Still doesn't mean that's going to make any difference when he fights Connor on Saturday. That was, yeah. Main event of that card, by the way, was Demetrius Johnson versus Chris Cariasso. Originally, it was supposed to be the rematch between John Jones and Alexander Gustafson. That obviously fell through. Um, Stefan, um, based on what you saw with the line, you're you're picking Connor, right? Yeah. Before I get into my preamble about a fairly one-sided fight, uh, Mike, I have the answer to your question: Who beats Khabib? I got three initials for you. Three initials. In e T L Batrock the Leaper. <laughs> Great. Let's get Batrock back here. <laughs> let's just let's never forget that it took like a mega, a supreme steroids of all steroided Chris Evans. To defeat natural GSP in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tira, Tira Masu has a pretty good uh, shot against Habib as well. That's true. Get a good weight cut in there. Just put Connor, put, put, you know, put Tony on the other side. 50% chance Habib is the one who pulls out. 
Um, um, but what I actually just wanted, to, I did want to chime in about this fight and these fighters in general. Um, just using terms that I've already kind of been using throughout as talking about these other fighters. Dustin Poirier, now he's like a B-plus athlete who mm -hmm. also then works his ass off to absolutely maximize his abilities. And the fact that, you know, he got a title, be it interim or otherwise, like, completely well-deserved. And just like, as I said about it, talk about a person who doesn't embarrass himself, who's an excellent character. Dustin is a good guy. All he cares about is his community and being the best dad he can to his daughter, Noelle. He never misses a chance to shout out his daughter and how much he loves her and just wants to give her the world. Like, just absolutely stand-up human being who I want to root for, like, you know, 100 times out of 100. But, you know, now now to take it to a nerdy, a shonen, uh, you know, expression, he loses to genius-level fighters. And Connor, he is a genius-level fighter. Uh, I, w I actually watched the countdown for this because, you know, even though there's not necessarily a lot of drama in the fight, I'm very interested in both of the two guys at the top. And Dustin's boxing coach, he says, hands down, Connor, best counterpuncher in the game. His ability to put those two counter straights at the top, and like you see, it, they show the highlight reel of he hits everybody with it. His his boxing coach is like, yeah, I know he's. We're not going to play that game. We know what Connor is good at, like, and it is exceptional that level. Like, it's ridiculous that he fought Floyd Mayweather. It's not ridiculous that he could professionally box. You know, he shot for the moon, right? He shot for arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time, and he, I, I would say, you know, he gassed. He didn't embarrass himself, right? He he didn't Nate Robinson it out there. Granted, completely different backgrounds, but it's just all to say it's legit. It's worthy. I hope Dustin can acquit himself because he lost in like a minute. Like that's the one thing that that countdown show made clear is he lost and he lost so quickly and so easily. So it's really tough to see it being any different because what it's going to come down to is Connor's precision. Dustin is tough, but Connor's precision he doesn't need to land that many shots for them to become the kill shots. And that's kind of going to be what Dustin's weakness. I don't think he's going to overcome that speed differential, that ability to see it differential, the, the, the milliseconds that Connor needs to find his angles. So, um, but I, I do hope he acquits himself. You know, if it ends up being a back and forth, hell, if he steals it, like I'm all, like I said, I'm always rooting for Dustin, but um, Connor, it's this, you gotta have the grappling. Grappling's got to be in your arsenal to beat Connor. And I don't see that being, it's gotta be, anything. it's gotta be fucking good too. It's gotta, um, again, it's got to kind of still be genius level. Um, Marcus? Yeah, I'm really just echoing what Stefan said. I agree with all those points. And and for me, the the takeaway isn't like, is Connor going to win? I'm almost fucking certain he's going to win. It would be, uh, in my eyes, a very big upset for Dustin to uh, win this fight. But mostly what I'm echoing for Stefan the most and the thing I'm hoping for the most is like, we get to round two. Um, it's the thing that disappointed me the most in the first fight is that it ended so quickly. I mean, and all the, you know, all the credit goes to Connor. He landed a nice shot behind the ear. It fucked up his equilibrium. He couldn't defend himself. A couple more shots and, and the ref called it. I think in this fight, if that same scenario plays out, Dustin will probably get hit three more times before the referee stops it because it's the main event, because it's now Connor is this mega star. We want to, we want to really make sure that we don't call it too early, but. I think stylistically it doesn't match up well for Dustin. Um, he's a pressure fighter. 
Connor's a counterfighter. He's going to work. It's, it's, it potentially could could play very much. Probably not nearly as bad as the Eddie Alvarez fight. But I mean, those styles Ooh, don't match. That was a rough one. <laughs> that was like one of the worst. I mean, he he just clowned over Eddie. He made him look like. Uh, do, do you remember Steph? Do you remember watching that with Mark, where Eddie got hit the first time in the fight, and Mark said, "Oh fuck, it's already over." <laughs> like it I mean, wasn't yeah, that, was that, the, that was the big New York card, right? That's where, yeah, like yeah. we're finally doing it. There was so much going into it, and like I just Mark was like. Oh shit! Connor just came here and is just taking everything. He's just taking this man's whole career right now. Like it's all <laughs> like pretty much. Morris Griffin is out here. Like thank God I'm not alone in the Anderson highlight. Someone else can join me in this. That, that's what life. people were doing. Like the remember, like people were doing like the DBZ edits mm-hmm. of like Ronda finishes and Connor finishes. I remember there was a really like fucking sweet one for that with that one. Um, yeah, Eddie got embarrassed. Um, yeah, but all to say, like Connor, like, like Stefan was saying, I think he's one of the. Easily one of the best strikers in the game. Um, and to have him go up against any other striker, I'm going to pick Connor all day um, until it gets to the point where, like, I think there's a couple of, like, you put him against Masvidal, and now I'm kind of like, because Masvidal is really big. He's a great striker, too. Well, it's, it's Connor said he's committed to 155. He says, I'm actually committed yeah, to 155. So, so most of all, what I'm getting out. at is, like, 155 is kind of dominated by strikers right now. I think he's better than all of them. Um, it, it will take somebody with a strong acclimate in grappling. I think wrestling is, I mean, look, he fights Usman Do Bronx. or something along Do Bronx, lines. Marcus. We got to get Charles Oliveira against Connor. That's the fight we need. <laughs> or the other thing, like I was going to say, kind of like Nate Diaz, if there's someone who's very slick on the ground that could catch Connor tripping, you know, if he makes a small mistake, someone that can capitalize and get a submission, which I don't see a lot of the wrestling. Usman's not going to just catch you in like a guillotine or a darts choke. He's going to take you down and ground you out. That's how he's going to beat Connor. Um, but, Anytime there's a firefight, I'm I'm gonna pick Connor. He's just so good. Um, and especially in MMA, you know, when he really utilizes all the skills, like we saw in the um cowboy fight, the shoulder strikes were vicious. He used a head kick, he used a flying knee. When he's not just utilizing just his hands, like he kind of did with Nate. I think the second Nate Diaz fights Diaz fight, he really wanted to land that left straight. He fucking did, and he won that fight. Um, but yeah, I, I think Connor's gonna win this fight. And, and mainly, I'll be disappointed when we come back next week and it's like I only beat him in 45 seconds. That was even quicker because I do want to see a little back and forth. I do want to see. I want to see some rounds, man. A little bit. I want to see Connor push a little bit from a striker. And because what that'll ultimately do is it'll get me a little bit more interested in other fights with him. If he's just going to kill all the strikers in the first minute of the fight like he did on his run up, it's just like, I can't get excited about your fights, man, because you're going to fight another striker and I'm just going to assume you're going to beat the shit out of him. And then if he does, it's it's a Tyson S problem. It's a good I, uh, problem to have, but as a fan, I want to see back and forth. I want to see guys tested and pushed. I look forward to ESPN uh, slandering Dustin Poirier. <laughs> sure, yeah, Dustin. he's a bomb. Don't, don't slander Donald. Donald. Well, slandering Donald Cerrone is one thing. Yeah, Donald Cerrone. A lot of us are just like, well, we entertain these fights, but you know, fuck him. It's okay. Look, you got to do that to Dustin Poirier right now when he's out there ch- donating shit to charity every four minutes. Someone should tell Stephen A. Smith about this guy before he does that. That's all I'm saying. Before he makes it look worse. Um, that's it. Um, one last thing. Ariel Hawani says he thinks Nate Diaz is going to fight twice in 2021 at lightweight. And the UFC says they are both talking to Nate about a fight. Does anybody think it's... I'd love to see it. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think who it would even be. I was going to say Tony Ferguson. Could be. I get, uh, 55, That's my guess. Yeah, maybe. 55? Gaethje, Gaethje would be fun and interesting. Also, Gaethje would be a lot of fun, too. Nate Diaz is at 155. Is that the Michael Johnson he, fight? Well, he has only fought, like, fucking twice in, like... I guess you got to consider it in years in that fight. Because if it was what fight... Did he fight, like, did he fight Nate at... Did he fight Connor at 170 both times? Yes. 
And then he fought Pettis at 170? I believe yes. so. And then he fought Masvidal at 172, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was so hot. Well, no, the other way around. I think Masvidal happened. Uh, there was probably another fight in there. Nate fights so infrequently. Anyway, let's do stuff we like because this is already going long. Um, I don't, I don't got anything this week. I'll be honest. Um, so, Mike, you, you got anything? Or was that last week? That was last week. Okay. Dog, oh, like, um, yeah, you, you, maybe you want to talk about your dog? Oh, I didn't listen to last week's episode. Did you talk about She's Luna the best. Then? Yeah, she's the best. She got she got that old that old man beard. That's what's up. She she looks like Master Splinter. All right, that's <laughs> what we've come. That's why that's why my family we've all decided she looks like she's ready to send her turtles into battle. That's where we're at. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike, what do you got? A quick thing for me, um, just because it's a very preliminary stuff. I like um, probably Steph has heard of this show. Um, I died and got reincarnated as slime is an anime that I have seen. I, I, that yes, I know this one and I have seen this one. I've seen it advertised on Crunchyroll for at least a year. And I'm like, that is a stupid fucking title for an anime. There's no way I'm going to watch that. And of the beauty of quarantine, you know, after a while it's like, well, I need something to watch. So I gave it a gander. I'm about three or four episodes in, and I don't hate it. Which, normally, if you guys know me at this point, if I don't hate it, that means I'll watch the whole season. I like this segment. As we started with calling it stuff we like, and we're at, I don't hate it. No, you've been I, almost I, Bob. You've had a couple I don't hate it things. Yeah, that's true. I think we all have. <laughs> I will say you won't regret finishing this one. This one is fun. Um, uh, as a quick pitch to the other guys uh, who might not understand it, in anime there is a subgenre called isekai, and that's probably one of the after the shonen battle anime is probably the second most like common trope now. And that's essentially is the real world nerdy person dies in the real world and they get transported to a video game like Fantasy World. And usually they're an overpowered sword user of some kind and save the world. Uh, this one, uh, instead of being that overpowered guy, you're one of those slimes from like Dragon Quest, Mark. You're just okay, you, more you, you get kind of get reincarnated as a uh, step up of from an NPC. The like, the title gives away the premise, but I did need to know like if if you're just a piece of sewage slime just yeah. in the sewer the whole time. It was like, well, that doesn't seem entertaining. If you're some kind of video game character, all right, I get it. Uh, there's another good isekai mic of the same vein where it's a little comedic in tone called something of the shield hero, but basically he comes back and decides he doesn't want to fight. So he just maximizes the shield spec. So he takes no damage, <laughs> but he actually can't do anything offensive. But boy, as a bulwark shield, he is the best tank in the game or in the yeah, world. Like something but, like something shield hero, right? Or like Vanguard, something like that. But, but yeah, um, I show. died and got reincarnated as slime. I don't hate it. I'm reserving judgment to change that, upgrade that to a like sometime next week. All right, Steph, what do you got? I got two music things, um, and they are things that I don't like. I love. These are This isn't lukewarm. The two things I'm going to talk about I love. One, I mentioned at the top because I was telling Mark about it. Apparently, Shinsuke got – I'm pretty unplugged from wrestling, but it was on my radar that Shinsuke got his music returned to him. They made him a – Oh, yeah, he's a baby face. He's a baby face giving now. him a yeah. push, and they gave him the damn good song again, so – uh i'm happy to see that but um so my discovery was y'all know i've been into k-pop for a solid minute now i arbitrarily discovered a korean girl rock band 
Their name is Rolling Quartz as a legit play on the Rolling Stones. Um, and it started with them doing a rock arrangement cover of BTS's Dynamite. And I'm like, I like this. You know, Dynamite had a very kind of disco kind of summer pop vibe. And this has a real like late 90s to early 2000s, like alterna punk rock vibe. And I really love that arrangement of it. I found they did covers of uh, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. Uh, they did Misery Business by Paramore. Um, and they have their own debut single, Blaze. But like, I really genuinely like their sound I, I, as a rock band. I think they're really, I used to listen to a lot of J-Rock when I was in my like J-pop phase years ago. Um, so it was actually really interesting as a change of pace. And Bobby, something you spoke to in terms of just a YouTube rabbit hole you went down a while ago. Um, and I've really enjoyed watching. I love the pop videos. A lot of it is backtrackings because they have to focus on the choreo, right? You don't actually get a lot of live vocals anymore. There's no concerts anymore. You don't get a lot of live performances. But this band, all their videos outside of their one music video are live studio settings of them actually playing and hearing that like raw instrumentation of music again and not like a pre-recorded disc track. Like... I, I was like, oh, shit, How, when was the last time I heard live played rock music? And so um, I'm really digging their library. I just subscribed to them. Um, one of the videos I watched, they only had like 75,000 views, which isn't nothing. But for a professional band, that's pretty undiscovered, especially by like the K-pop um, music industry standards. So um, that's a band I just think is really cool. Mike, if, I, I feel like you wouldn't regret checking them out since you've already kind of dabbled in that, you know? Um, but yeah, if anyone has given any of my music recommendations a chance, I think this little, uh, this little five person group. Yeah. Um, I think there's five of them, two guitar, a bassist. One of the guitarists also does keyboards, drummer and like a lead singer. But, um, yeah, I was just falling down a rabbit hole of this specific artist. So, um, yeah, that was just a fun discovery for me. And, and then Mark, I, I imagine we'll go into it, right? But I, I really like WandaVision. But I'll you, I was gonna say this is, is this a weekly show. Do we want to get into this now? Do we want to let it go a little bit? What do we? Say, just because this particular show is running a little late, maybe we'll push off. But Steph liked WandaVision. I really liked WandaVision. It is gonna be a weekly show, kind of like Mandal uh, Mandalorian. So maybe when it it wraps up, we'll do a whole big spiel at the end of it. But um, I've been getting a ton of mileage out of my HBO Max uh, subscription, which I didn't really think I would uh, get yeah, a ton of use out of. So. Um, I caught up with Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I was a big fan of when I first heard of the show back when I was in college. Um, and I just caught up on the last two seasons. And, I, you know, I, I think try that show out. Know that, you know, Larry David is the guy that made Seinfeld and the character of George is basically based off of him. And the show plays in a very sitcom-y, not super realistic way. Um, and it is a little cringy. There's lots of awkward uh, you know, scenarios he gets himself wrapped into, wrapped into, but I honestly really enjoy the show. Um, and one episode I'd really point out to was in this last 10th season. I mean, the cast is kind of ever evolving. Uh, they added Bobby's his name, TJ smooth. What's that guy? He plays lady smooth. Yeah. Yeah. BJ smooth. Was it BJ smooth? JB, JB smooth. He's fucking fantastic. He's great. And there's one episode that I really liked in this last, uh, he was in Harley Quinn too. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a, he's the word plant monster. Um, yeah. Harley Quinn, but, uh, John Hamm does a guest star. Um, and, and you know, Ron Funch is also, there, there's a lot of cameos in the last two seasons. They just bring everyone on. 
Um, but John Hamm has a fucking awesome episode where he's basically he's he's gonna play a character like Larry David, so he kind of follows him around to uh, you know kind of catch his mannerisms, and that's just a really John Hamm is such a good comedic actor. Um, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for that. So very much been enjoying Curb Your Enthusiasm. Been working my way, and I have watched Metalocalypse before. Um, I think it is a really fun cartoon. This is an Adult Swim cartoon. What I always found really fascinating with it is they do make metal music which i'm not really a fan of really fun and hardcore and just brutal um and also i've been a really big fan of brendan small who does the voice of the the lead singer of metalocalypse who's also the main character in home movies um that's where i really caught on to him and is a fucking master on guitar he does all the music in this show this like this basically the premise is like this metal band is so popular they kind of take over the world and everyone's a metal fan and like this dude on the guitar is just fucking phenomenal um so really like that show and lastly uh me and christine have started watching uh an hbo drama called uh perry mason it was highly recommended on one of the podcasts she watches um it's like a 1930s detective true crime uh uh mark did they Bobby remake a bit more context? It's a remake, Bobby. Okay, because okay. I'm looking at it like, like, I'm like, wait. <laughs> yeah, Steph wasn't the same reaction I did. I'm like, what? The show my grandma watched. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Bobby I, had a face on, like, wait. Mark is watching like a forty-year-old show. No, they redid well, it. Well, in fairness, Mark, Mark got a stretch where he was just watching Columbo. I remember that Columbo too. Was great. So I bought it. Columbo's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, this just came highly recommended, and I was like, you know, I want to check this out. And we watched two episodes so far, and it's a really good show. You know, it, it kind of does remind me a little bit of True Detective. It does take place in the 1930s, um, so there is a little bit of a uh, period piece aspect to it. But I've really been enjoying it. Um, and then the last thing, you know. Uh, just I, one, sorry to interrupt yeah. you again, Mark. Just for the go- those of you that don't know, the main character in the remake for Perry Mason was the male lead in The Americans. That dude, Matthew oh, Rice. Okay, okay. I didn't there see that show. Oh. So I didn't. I did not know. Most of the people on the show I, I have not seen before, except there's one girl that was on Glow. We're getting like the puppy cam of all puppy cams right now. <laughs> it's Steph's uh, doggos. But um, the last thing I wanted to mention, I mentioned it last week, you know, tipping into video games real quick. Um, I got my Marvel vs. Capcom machine about a month ago. I've been having a ton of fun uh, just getting into that. And I've been, I've always had my eye on this MV, MVSX machine, this Neo Geo Red Cab uh, 3-4 scale. Um and I pulled the trigger this this last weekend, and I got it too. Um, I'm hoping this doesn't become like a really bad habit of getting too many of these fucking machines because two is the limit. And I did tell Christine months ago when I saw both these, like these are both extremely appealing to me. And don't be surprised if we end up with both of them. Um, so I don't think it's a big shock that I finally pulled the trigger. But and then what um, happens next? Is this is a pinball machine? We said two arcade machines. <laughs> this is pinball. pinball has never been something I've been super interested in, but but Steph knows, you know, I've had Steve my eye on getting an actual MVS machine for a long time. I've always had a fascination and a strong nostalgia for the big red Neo Geo machines. And when they announced this uh, last year, it was very tempting, you know, because and, and Bobby knows I did end up getting the Neo Geo Mini arcade cabinet. And the fucking thing I hate the most about that, it doesn't look like the big red at all. And I was like, why, why put the Japanese candy cams. Why to sell it in North America? We know the big red machine. That's what we want. And if I mean, if they would have made the big red in the mini, I would have bought that thing day one. Um, yeah, but this thing was really compelling. I've watched a ton of videos on reviews. Um, so I'm also one of the things that really pushed me over the edge was it does have a USB adapter on the back, and they released a Neo Geo arcade machine that had a bunch of games 
basically emulated on the arcade stick itself, and people were able to hack that pretty easily um, and get to play all kinds of other arcade uh, games. And this machine was fucking made for that shit because Neo Geo's, I mean, one of the most famous things is that they're famous for having four buttons, which means that you can't really play Capcom fighters because they have a six-button layout. This machine has a six-button layout because they fucking know people are going to mod this. And they're like, you know what? Instead of you buying this machine and having to do a shit ton of modding to add two extra buttons... We're just going to give you six buttons. It doesn't make any fucking sense that a Neo Geo, Neo Geo machine with only four buttons would have six. But these are all the things that I kind of like, okay, you know what? It, the price tag is a little steep. I know the buttons are shit. The joysticks aren't great. I might end up even changing that stuff out, but uh, I'm really excited. So that should be coming in the next couple weeks or so. But yeah, that's all I got this week. It's kind of a heavy week for me. Right on. All right, boys and girls. That's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Going to see if Conor McGregor gets it done. Going to see if Michael Chandler's UFC debut is successful. Um, the following week, there is nothing. Because reasons? Don't know why there's nothing, quite frankly. Well, no, because they're doing a card the week after, which is Super Bowl weekend. So, um, but there's nothing next week. And then the UFC will be back the following week with Overeem versus Volkov, which I swear has happened before. That just seems like it's happened before. Yes. Uh just Overeem versus Eastern European fighter. Just sounds like it's happened before. Um, but we'll be back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about WandaVision next week, actually. We've got some more time. Sure. Um, we'll see what's going on. Um, in theory, Bellator comes back eventually, right? Like, I feel we would have heard something at some if point. If we don't here. know, they could be having a fight right now. I feel I remember looking at the calendar and I'm like, where's where's the Bellator? Where What are we doing here? Um, and the answer is not for the time being, at least. One championship's doing shows every two days, though, so good for them. All right, guys, um, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Coombs, and that was DJ Mark. Thank you all so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Don't do anything stupid, please. Um, and peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.